Hey, and welcome to the Motherhood Simplified Podcast. I'm your host, Krista Lockwood. And if you ever look around your house and wonder where the heck did all this stuff come from and how am I ever going to get it out, you are in the right place. I'm a mom of five who decluttered her home back in 2013 when my family and I decided to move from Alaska to Florida with one suitcase each. And I do not recommend it. What I do recommend is learning how to declutter without becoming a full-blown minimalist, which means learning to find the balance of what your family needs and wants without it being so much that it overwhelms you on a daily basis. So if that sounds good to you, you are going to love this podcast. Let's dive into the episode. been trying to declutter your house and not been as successful as you like, I am willing to bet that I can help you figure out exactly why. There are a lot of reasons that moms feel like they can't declutter, declutter, whether it's their kids or their spouse or the time or the energy or just simply not knowing what to do, where to take things, how to donate, right? How to do it mindfully, how to not be wasteful. Uh, Plus you're worried about like, what if I need it? You know, I wasted so much money on this. What if I need it again and I can't get it? There is so much that goes into decluttering as a mom. And I promise that if you have thought it or felt it, I have heard it before or experienced it myself. And that is exactly why I created this training called how to create your mom proof decluttering plan. And I've done a lot of decluttering checklists, challenges, courses, programs in the past, and they work. And this training really is the framework for every single thing that moms need to consider when it comes to decluttering their home. It's the plan. We're actually going to build your plan together. It's following through with your plan and it's including your family and even learning how to make this process as enjoyable as possible. Because most people feel like The task is daunting or just another thing on their to-do list, and I don't want it to feel like that for you. So this free training, how to create your mom-proof decluttering plan, you can go to motherhoodsimplified.com forward slash DIY to get it, or you can just check the show notes of this episode and you will find it. Come get it. I know there is so much information about there. A lot of it is much the same. Five steps to declutter your house, you know? Here's the checklist to declutter this area of your house, but none of them really show you the full scope of what goes into doing this start to finish. And that's exactly what's in this training. So go check it out, motherhoodsimplified.com forward slash DIY, or check the description of this episode to go get it today. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. Actually, and if this is your first time on the podcast, welcome to the podcast. My name is Krista. I'm the founder of Motherhood Simplified. And today I'm here with Leslie Alder, and we are talking about how to get control of your phone's camera roll. So, and three myths that hold you back and how to get past them. So I posted a photo of my camera roll in the group today um, that has I actually deleted 3,000 photos that were just um, toddlers, you know, doing rapid fire photo shoots today. So I need help with this. I used to be really good at it, um, but then I had two babies again and I've fallen behind. So I'm really excited to 
talk with you, Leslie, about that. So tell us, tell us your story. Tell us how you, how you got to be an expert at this. Of course. Yeah. Well, thanks so much for having me on. I could talk about this for days. So um, I'm so glad I can share this with your community, but yeah, I was, I was that person. I had my first two pretty close. They were back to back at 18 months apart. And I just hadn't even thought of it with my first baby. Like I just took all the pictures. Cause you know, you get like that momtography gene it's when your first is born and you just think that your child is actually the most beautiful human that you've ever, ever seen. And you take all the photos and there can never be enough. And then it kind of hit me when I had my second one, I was like, wait a second, I'm going to have two babies that I'm going to be obsessed with. Like, this is just going to get exponentially worse if I don't figure this out. Um, and the time at the time when my second was born, I think I had like 5,000 pictures spread across my phone and my computer and hard drives just for my son's first year of life, like not even anything before that or since. So I realized pretty soon, like, this isn't really a sustainable model. I need to kind of figure this out. Um, and so I started to try a, a bunch of trial and error. I tried thumb drives. I tried external hard drives. Like I tried all the things, but I wasn't really addressing the main problem, which is that you keep taking photos. Like this isn't a one and done type declutter situation because you love your kids. So of course you be taking more photos of them. Um, and then after my second was born, I actually went through a period of postpartum depression, anxiety that I didn't realize I was in at the time. And it wasn't until about a year out where I was looking back at those photos from that time of my life. And I realized I didn't remember any of it because, you know, when you experience that depression or anxiety, you're, you kind of just physically dissociate, right? Like your brain isn't healthy enough to make those memories. And so looking back, I was just so grateful that I had taken those photos and that they were still safe so that I could look back and kind of like try to recreate those memories for myself. So at that point I got really passionate about it because I realized like, this is really important. And if I don't find a way to keep these safe and organized, then if something happens to them, like it's just going to be catastrophic for me. So um, that's when I really dove into the process. And I, after several months of working on it, I finally came up with a system where I can get my phone camera roll clear every single week, completely empty. And I get all my photos off my phone onto an external hard drive and backed up on the cloud. Um, so where they're safe, organized and ready to be made into those beautiful finished products. I love it. And I love that. Um, yeah, you kind of shared how I think just as somebody who's coming out of the tail end of having two kids in two years, again, like kind of like how important our photos really are because they do remember, or they do remind us of all of those things that we either forgot or, honestly, just didn't have the energy to like really be present in. Um, but for me, I always love like going back to that and being like, oh my gosh, like I can't, I can't believe that I was doing what you're doing right now, Leslie, and like holding a teeny tiny baby and recording podcasts. <laughs> um, but hi, baby. Um, okay. So let's talk about the three Let's talk about the three myths that moms tell themselves, or maybe everybody says this, but you know, we're motherhood simplified. So we're talking to moms, but the three myths that we all say, and actually all three of these I have said at one point and why they just are not true. So myth number one, I just wait until my phone storage is full. And then I upload, like, why is that a problem? I'm embarrassed because I know this one. <laughs> Yeah, well, I do too. I mean, I'm not doing a lot of market research to figure these out because I was this person, right? 
So yeah, a lot of people say, and I used to say, well, I just don't have time for it. I'll just wait till it's full and then I'll upload. And it's funny because in other areas of our life, we see why this is a problem. Like I'll just use every dish in my house and then I'll start on the dishes. Or like, I'll just wait till we have absolutely nothing to wear. Then I'll think about the laundry. Like we see it in our physical lives, but I feel like because digital lives are so out of sight, out of mind that we fall into this trap a lot. Um, so the truth is what you should be doing is you should set up a regular routine to preserve your memories because it's just not safe to wait for them to upload. I mean, all of us know how fragile our phones are and how dangerous it is that it spends such an inordinate amount of time near tiny humans that have no respect for like keeping things nice. Right. So, uh, I mean, we have children and we're taking pictures of our children, which means our phones are in really close proximity to our kids. And I for fortunately have not been subject to the phone in the bathtub situation or the phone into the ocean or into the pool. But I have so many friends and family that have, um, I think all of us have a really good sense of just how quickly we could just lose everything. Um, I have had this situation where you get a new phone and then they're like, all right, anything you want to transfer over? I'm like, yeah, like two years worth of photos. Can you do that? And they're like, it'll take a while. And I'm like, oh shoot, I should have had this under control before. Um, so the long story short is that technology is an incredible thing, but it's also not super reliable, especially our phones. Um, so the best thing you can do is just get it off the phone because the phone is the most dangerous place it can be in. Yeah, it really is. And like what you said, like when you switch over your phone, they're like, oh yeah, it will take a while. Like I've had them just straight up be like, like you should just take this phone and, and put it onto a hard drive. But what happened for me and has happened, it's probably going to happen to me again. Cause I waited too long is that there's too much on there that I, I can't upload them all at once. I have to go through and like, do them like 50 at a time. Wow. It's, uh, there's just too much. And I don't know, like it's, I, yeah, it's a, yeah. it's a huge pain, but yeah. what you said to, Oh wait, no, never mind. This is the next thing. <laughs> and um, the, tech, the tech side, I'm not, I'm not super techie. My husband fortunately is, so I've learned a lot from him, but what I've learned in a bunch of trial and error is that we treat our phones as if they were external hard drives. Like we think they can just, you know, they'll just hold stuff forever, but you don't carry around your external hard drive to Walmart, right? Like you're not taking your external hard drive to the beach, but that's what we do with our phones. And so we have to really understand that external hard drives are meant to store safely and they're meant to be sturdy and they're meant to stay on your desk and keep your stuff safe. Our phones not meant to do that. So it's just, you have so much more peace of mind and calm knowing that your entire life isn't on this thing you carry in your pocket all the time. Yes, totally agree. Okay. So myth number two about clearing photos from your phone is that it's going to take hours and we don't really have the time to spend a whole lot of hours doing this. So what's, what's the actual truth behind this? Yes. Well, and it's, it's that classic, like how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time? Right. But if 2020 taught me anything, it's that time really is just an excuse that we use because what happened in March, like suddenly we had all the time in the world and we still didn't work out every day. Right. Like the things that we always told ourselves we would do if we just had a little bit more time. I mean, it looked different for everyone, right? Like moms of all people were probably like, this is not a break for me. Like everyone's home, this is worse. But in other ways, like our schedules were shifted around in major ways. And we probably did have like different pockets of time um, pop up and we still weren't able to do the things that we thought we just needed more time to do. So my first um, thing I want to speak to that is that uh, you don't have to find the time, you have to create the time. You have to make that time. You got to make it a priority 
and create that in your life. Um, but the second thing is good news. You don't need an entire weekend to tackle this. You don't need to like ship your kids off somewhere for a week. I mean, you could, that would be nice in some ways, but it's not realistic. Right. Uh, and it can totally be done in just these five to 10 minute increments, just these little, these little waiting periods. Um, and as tempting as it is to say, well, I'll just wait till all the kids are older and in school. And then I'll look back and do it. The problem is it doesn't go away. In fact, it grows because the longer you have kids, the more pictures you take, the more they stack up. Um, and so I haven't, I don't have teenagers. I don't have preteens. My oldest is six and a half. Um, but if I could have told myself with just a mom of one kid or a mom of two kids when they're little, I wish I could go back and tell her like, figure this out now because it doesn't get any easier. I thought it would, and it doesn't. And I think some of the moms with older kids can definitely relate to this. Oh yeah, I do. Because then instead of you being the one that takes the photos, like, yeah, the toddlers take pictures and those are easy to delete, but the older kids take photos and those are ones that they want to keep too. So it doesn't get easier. It just gets more and more and more. And yeah. same with decluttering, like your clutter, isn't just going to get up and walk out of your house. You're going to have to do something about it. Same thing with your phone. And for everybody listening, who's like, cause I know for me personally, don't like <laughs> when I'm overwhelmed and somebody's just like, it just do five minutes at a time. Like, I'm like, no, like, no, that's not, it's not that simple, but it really is. It really is. I practiced last night and this morning because I knew that we were going to record this. And I did like 10 minutes last night. Like I said, I deleted like 1500 photos last night that were just like toddler bursts and pictures of my ceiling that don't need to be on my phone. <laughs> um, and then I did like another thousand this morning and it took me like 10 minutes, maybe at the most. And obviously that's not the whole, I didn't just solve the, my camera roll problem, but I did make a big dent in it. And it was encouraging. And I was like, okay, that wasn't so bad. Like now I can actually go through and do the rest of them. Yeah. Yeah. A model that I love for many things, but especially when it comes to tackling your camera roll is an imperfect today is better than any perfect tomorrow. So we have the idea in this heads like, well, it'll just be so much easier when school starts. It'll be so much easier when this happens, but honestly, it's better to start today where it's not perfect to kind of tell your brain like, no, this is possible. Like this is actually real. And we can do this now. We don't need to wait for the future. Um, and another um, kind of perk with this specific project is you talked about how we can apply the same five minutes at a time method of decluttering. I've totally found success in that. But one benefit of this being a phone thing is that we can do it anywhere. You can do it in the parking lot. You can do it when you're waiting for grocery pickup. You can do it when you're dropping your kid off at school. You can do it in the bathroom because let's be honest, like that's the only alone time we get we always take our phones to the bathroom, right? So we just need these little tiny pockets of time. Sometimes it's not even five minutes, but I found that in those moments where I reach for Instagram or I reach to go scroll on social media, that's the perfect pocket of time to just jump over to my own camera roll instead. And instead of consuming other people's lives and other people's highlight reels, why don't I go back and relive some of my greatest highlights and really create something? So then on the other end of those four minutes, I feel better. I feel like, light. I feel rejuvenated and I've created something versus just consuming something and then feeling bad about my life because I don't have this perfectly curated thing to show everybody. Relatable. <laughs> <laughs> All of it. Um, okay. So myth number three, I love this one. This one is my favorite one. And one that I, 
like I, this is one that I'm like, yes, I, I hundred percent agree. I don't feel attacked because I agree, <laughs> but more is better when it comes to taking and, and keeping photos. So tell us the, the truth about this. Yes. Um, so, I mean, we've all been there. We have our first baby and we just can't get enough, right? Like I look back at those first couple of weeks of my son's life. And I think there's like 500 photos just of his little tiny face of the first two weeks. And it's so fun, but photos really aren't meant to be enjoyed in that large of a quantity. Like you think back to um, our parents' time, our childhoods, our parents' childhoods, our grandparents, they had a wildly different life as far as photos go, right? Like most of my grandparents didn't have a video camera. They had cameras, but very limited, right? You know, you get 24 photos on that roll and then you have to go and develop them and they got to wait and you bring them home and then you cut them out and scrap them all cute. Like there was a lot of effort that went into um, creating these photos. And we were very intentional from the beginning because we only had so much space on that little camera roll, right? Well, now for better or for worse, we have unlimited space. Like you can sit there and hold down your shutter button for hours and probably still have memory afterwards, right? Um, but the irony is that even though we probably have a hundred times more footage of our kids than our parents had of us, I feel like our parents probably looked at those photos more than we look at the photos of our kids, right? And they're definitely, like, I looked at photos of myself way more than my kids are looking at photos of themselves because mine were accessible. My mom would print them out and I had my hands on them and I was able to enjoy them. Whereas my kids, even though I have way more, they're not enjoying them. So what's the point in even having them, right? Yeah, I agree completely. And the thing that I think about with like sentimental items, because I mean, really photos, they're, they're basically a sentimental item. Um, and the way I see it is like when I am like 90, right. Cause I, I feel like I'm going to live to be like 102, <laughs> but when I'm like 90, like looking back on my life and wanting to share memories with my grandkids or my great grandkids, am I really going to pull out like 30,000 photos on a on a phone or whatever it is <laughs> at the time. <laughs> no, like what I'm going to want to do is like pull out the best of like, here's a photo of your dad when he was two. Like, and for me and my kids, if you guys um, have listened to any of the sentimental podcasts that I've done, like, here's a picture of our five children wearing the green shorts that all five of you wore, right? And I still have the green shorts in a bin some, you know, and probably in my nightstand drawer because that's probably where I'm going to keep those shorts forever once my kids are grown. But like, think about how you want the photos to be enjoyed by your family. Like, do you want it to be overwhelming? Do you want it to be like, oh man, I would show you guys the pictures, but I have to scroll through like all of these duplicates and all of these photos of the ceiling and all of these photos that are like, basically the same picture, but 20 different, like minor head tilts or whatever. <laughs> like it's not going to be that exciting to look at those. So yeah. Um, which I think brings us to like your method, which you call the museum method, right? Yeah. So I, I teach this in my course, but the museum method is the idea that, um, you really want to create this curated collection of your photos, not in the sense that we curate like our social media where we only want the good things, but curate our real life, right? Like it's so much more powerful to see it um, in small quantities than large. So when it comes to deciding which ones you're gonna keep, that's something I get asked all the time. Like, well, how do I decide? Like, what am I gonna want? 
first I would say, think back on your own childhood. Like what pictures do you treasure from your childhood? What pictures do you wish you had and you didn't? Same thing with your spouse or like your parents. What do you wish you knew about their childhood? And that can kind of inform which ones to keep. Mm -hmm. Um, But otherwise, yeah, create a museum, not an archive. So what's an archive? An archive contains all the works of a person. When I was in college, I did this research project um, on a musician who created a lot of like viola pieces. And for whatever reason, my college's library happened to have an archive of his entire life. And so when I was doing this research project, I went to this like tiny little back corner of a closet room in our library and they brought out everything like boxes and boxes of these handwritten letters and correspondence and just like this incredible wealth of material in this person's life. And it was so fun to go through it all, but it was exhausting, right? Like I would dedicate a couple hours, I'd go in, get my head down, get what I needed and then get out of there and just feel like I could breathe, right? So it was really informative and I learned a lot, but it's not like a really enjoyable way to learn about somebody. But right next door to the library was our art museum and I could spend hours in there. And a museum's the exact opposite, right? They have like one or two pieces of artwork on the wall and that's it. Even though, I mean, Van Gogh probably created millions of artwork in his day. And over the course of his life, we, we highlight just one or two and that brings so much more power to it. Same thing with our photos. If we keep every single little sketch, every misfire of our camera, if we keep everything, it's just overwhelming. We can't enjoy it. But if um, we distill it down, it can still be diverse. It can still cover a full range of our life and really give that full picture. But it's so much more powerful because we have the space to immerse ourselves in those handful of photos instead of sifting through the hundreds of drafts. So you can actually appreciate the photos because they're presented in those small doses. Yeah. I like, I love what you said too, about like having the space, um, to, I guess, experience the story of the photos. Cause if you think about like a museum too, like, yeah, they're showing like a highlight of like the best end result, but you still have space for like the entire story. And it's not like you're erasing history um, you're still you're just gonna have time and space to actually converse about it which is what I think about like when I'm when I'm old like I don't want to I don't want to invite people over for dinner and then pull out like 50 photo albums and be like oh my gosh like where do we start first <laughs> yeah. and then spend all of our time just digging through it I'd rather be able to like here's like this here's the stuff and then we talk about it right and you have the most important things there. So I love it. The thing about it being our photos is that we were there for most of them, right? Like we have memories attached. You know, they say a photo's worth a thousand words. I can look at one picture um, from three years ago and I'm instantly brought back to that moment, right? Like I remember where we were living. I remember like what our life was like. And so it's a little bit different from looking at somebody else's life in the museum because we have the context around us. And for the people who weren't living it, and who don't have the context, they don't know what they're missing, right? So they're probably more than happy to look at two photos of that beach day instead of 50, because they just appreciate the two that they do have and they don't feel like they're lacking anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah, that's a really good point too. Cause for Christmas every year, I print off a photo album that has like 150 to 200 pictures, which sounds like a lot, but you know, we're a family of seven and that's for the whole year. Um, and it's one of my kids' favorite things to go through. And they, they don't say that, right. They're not like, oh my gosh, like you didn't get pictures of whatever, (laughs) honestly, like I didn't even get pictures of the first day of school this year. 
And I guarantee, and I didn't do it. Well, I didn't do last year either. Cause I was 2020, but like those really for us as a family, like those aren't the pictures that were like, oh my gosh, pictures of the first day of school. It's like, Hey, here's pictures of like the hikes that we like to go on, or here's pictures of you sleeping. And it was so cute. Um, you know, when they're teeny tiny and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, like they don't, they don't know what they're not, what they're missing. They don't know that that was like 1% of the photos from my phone for the year. (laughs) Right. I know I have the same thing. I print off about that many too, every year in our family book. And then I keep the rest of my hard drive, but then it kind of makes me wonder like, why am I keeping those? Like if I created this, this curated highlight in this book and my kids love it and we pour over it, like, why am I keeping those other ones? And it's, it's a really good exercise to really kind of really dig deep and try to figure out what am I trying to hold on to? Cause the functionality of it, the purpose has been served. The book's printed. We're good. So why am I keeping the other 5,000, right? You didn't print enough, right. The ones that I didn't print the not so favorites, but still good. Yeah. So it's just a really, it's a really good process to go through for like inner healing and just kind of addressing some of your own mental like things you get caught on. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And it's yeah. kind of like the endowment effect too, which happens with clutter too. When they, like you have it and it's in your possession, all of a sudden you're like, oh my gosh, I can't let this go. This is mine. Like I'm invested in this same thing with our pictures. But again, like why? Like you didn't print 5,000 of them because you didn't want 5,000. It wasn't worth it to you to yeah. print 5,000. It's probably really overwhelming to think about sitting and looking through 5,000 printed photos And the Mm -hmm. same is true when you're scrolling, you can just do it faster, but it's not more rewarding. It's not like you're really invested in this picture. You're you're literally just like, I can do this faster. It's not better. Yeah. Um, Okay. So do you want to talk a little bit too about the, the, um, there's a study that you talk about that has, you know, the positive outcomes. You want to tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, definitely. So, um, I'm passionate about this for two reasons. One, I kind of mentioned in my intro is the, the motherhood health aspect where just having those memories safe and secure and organized are there for you because you should enjoy your motherhood just as much as your kids get to enjoy the childhood, right? Um, but the study that I found, um, it really kind of brings together why I think this is so important for kids. So I minored in human development and family life. And so this study was first um, presented to me when I was in college and it just came back to me as I was creating my course. Um, but basically the idea is that family stories, our family history, they form our identity because they tell us where we come from and how we fit into our family. Um, and psychologists assert that children who have a strong family narrative have better emotional health. And the reason they came up with this assertion is because there was a researcher named Robin Fivouche of Emory university. And she did a study where she asked 48 families, 20 different questions about their family history, everything from where were your grandparents born to what was something hard that one of your ancestors overcame? And she found that the more children knew about their family story, the stronger their sense of control over their lives, the higher their self-esteem, and the more successfully they believed that their families functioned. So I'm just going to hit those again, because those were a lot of words, but higher self-esteem, stronger sense of control over their own lives, and a happier view of their family as being functional. Like who wouldn't want those for their kids? Who wouldn't want those for themselves, right? Uh, I can't think of anyone who wouldn't do everything in their power to ensure those outcomes for their kids. Well, the good news is, is it doesn't require some crazy Herculean effort. Creating a strong family narrative can be just as simple as putting your family stories in front of your kids in the form of photo books and family videos and making sure they have access to those. And not just of you know grandma and grandpa, but of them. 
because they're creating these memories and having that visual aspect is so helpful. I mean, so we took a trip um, to Asia a few years ago when my kids were three and a half and two. And everyone's like, why are you doing that? They're not going to remember it. I'm like, yeah, I know. But I, I lived there at one point when I was a kid and I, I wanted to go back. And so that's just kind of the timing that worked out. But I am amazed at how much my kids actually do remember. And I think a lot of it is based off the fact that we do have photos and videos of our time there. And they'll just randomly bring it up. Like, hey, remember that time? Was it Japan or Korea when we had that that little snack that was shaped like a hedgehog. Do you remember that mom? I'm like, yeah, I do. And then I realized that there's a photo of them in their little book of them eating that snack. I'm like, oh, yeah, I remember it tasted like this and it smelled like they have all these memories surrounding this one little photo. Um, so I just, I firmly believe in how powerful these photos can be for kids' well being and for their development and just their overall well being of their emotional health. Love it. Yeah, I agree. I love it. Okay. So you, specialize in just digital photo decluttering. Tell us, I know you've got a a little free offer that you give and I want everybody to go get that. Tell us a little bit about that and then where we can find it. Yeah. So everyone always asks me like, where do I start? And that is the hardest thing, right? So first thing, you don't have to download anything for this first little job for you to do my first little assignment. Um, just get some awareness. How much storage um, is going to your photos and videos right now. Just go look in your phone, go to the storage, like system settings, different, you know, for different phones, but you can look it up, figure can out how what mine was. I just yes. looked at mine yesterday because I deleted those like some thousands of photos It's literally like 95% photos on my phone, like 95%. <laughs> that is crazy. And it only dropped cool. by like 5% when I did that. <laughs> Yeah. And it makes me so nervous when people are like, I'm just going to upgrade my phone to get more storage. And I'm like, no, that doesn't fix it. It Just, it prolongs the problem. So awareness is huge. Go to your phone, figure out how much storage your photos and videos are taking up. So that can kind of give you a sense of where you're starting from. And then also um, consider your current photo taking habits. Are you the type of person who takes a photo every day? Are you the type of person who takes little video clips every day? Are you just every other day, every so often, what are you taking pictures of? Is it mostly your kids? Is it screenshots of things that you think you're going to use later, but you never actually do like just kind of get an awareness for what your current habits are. Um, and that's going to give you the, the perfect starting point to know where to go from there. So those are my two tips. Um, but then once you are ready to get started, I've created a declutter your phones, camera roll roadmap, and it's free. You can go to my website, lesliealder.com and download that. Um, and I just go through the step-by-step process that I use each week when I sit down to clear off my camera roll. Um, and I also talk about three roadblocks that you may encounter and how to, um, how to tackle those. Um, so yeah, go check that out. Oh, you're muted. I can't hear you. Sorry. I think you're still muted. I can't hear you. Oops. Okay. Well, I just... <laughs> hey, everybody. I run a podcast and I have no idea what I'm doing. So funny. Um, okay. So everyone, Leslie is, she's in the Facebook group. So you can go get her guide. You can tag her, thank her, 
um, use her process, get started. Cause this is definitely something that anybody who is living in 2021 likely has a problem with, because we all have smartphones. If you're listening to this, I mean, I see the stats like 98% of you are listening on a smartphone. So <laughs> you got to clean, like just it's, it can be really simple. She takes the overwhelm out of it for you. Same way I take it out of you for your house. And thank you so much for hanging out today, Leslie. Of course. Thanks so much for having me. Yes. Hey, before you go, I have a question to ask you. Would you please leave me a five-star review if you are listening on iTunes? It helps me grow my show and reach more moms like you who are wanting to declutter without becoming a full-blown minimalist. If you love the show, I would love it if you shared something specific that you find valuable or helpful or that you just enjoy about listening to this show. It would mean the world to me if you took time out of your day to do that. And while you're at it, Head over to motherhoodsimplified.com to listen to more podcast episodes or check out our Facebook group, Instagram, just to connect on social media. If you love these episodes and if you love this show, please tag me. I love to connect with you over there. Podcasts are kind of like a one-way conversation where I feel like I'm talking to you and with you. But when you tag me on social media, I feel like we can take that one step further and actually connect with each other, which is the whole point of me starting this podcast and community in the first place is to be able to connect with moms like you who are wanting to declutter without becoming a full-blown minimalist. So tag me in your Instagram stories. I'm motherhood underscore simplified. Check out the motherhood simplified Facebook group or head over to the site and just find even more blogs, podcasts, decluttering courses to help you continue on your decluttering journey. Thanks so much. And I'll talk to you soon.